This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 203. So it's been a little while now since Miss Ellie Cat has been on the show with me, and she, she has had a ton of things going on lately. I mean, her just her schedule's getting crazy busy. She's got projects left and right, so she wanted to come on the show this week and talk about some of her latest projects. She's got some really exciting news. Now, just to let my listeners know, this episode isn't directly photography-related, but it's still in the same scope of things because most everything Ellie does is either photography or cinematography-related. So, And I, I promised her, since she's always been a fabulous host and she's always been great to me, that anytime she wanted to come on the show, to talk about anything she was absolutely welcome and i know my listeners love her episodes every time she's on the show and i post the new episode within the first 24 hours she gets three four thousand downloads just in the first 24 hours of episode release which is fantastic and i'm going to bring her on with me now and we're going to talk about what she's been up to since the last time she was on the show so ellie welcome back to the show it's great to have you again Thank you so much, Liam. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Now, I want you to go ahead and fill in a little bit of your background for my listeners, just in case we have new listeners that haven't gone back and listened to the old appearances that you've done on the show. Uh, go ahead and give a little bit about your background, and then we'll get into the latest projects you've been working on. Certainly. Um, well, my name's Ellie Ringo. I go by Ellie Cat, And then I also created Ellie Knows Rocks, which is my TikTok channel and my YouTube channel where I talk about geology and all kinds of mining adventures and minerals and rocks and rock hounding and rock tumbling, you name it. And I'm talking about it there. And I also, I'm an actress and a freelance model. So there's a lot that I do. And on top of that, being a professional geologist. So I'm never short of projects and or my schedule being full. <laughs> And most recently, I just got back from Greenland filming a reality slash documentary TV show for the Weather Channel about gold prospecting in Greenland. Oh, man. And that's so exciting. I watched the it premiered last night for any of my listeners that don't know on the Weather Channel. It's on Sundays from 8 to 9 p.m. So you definitely want to check it out. It's called Frozen Gold. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about that particular project because that's super exciting. Well, it's it was an amazing experience. Um, I not only was I like extremely grateful to like have been chosen as the like team geologist to go and actually prospect for gold in a different country. I mean, just going to Greenland itself was a dream come true. It's places that you think about and you're like, wow, you know, I would love to go there. And and honestly, I, I kind of had to look it up on the globe to make sure that I was in the right spot of where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, and through that, I got to stop over in Iceland for a little bit mm -hmm. and which is very green, by the way. And, and everybody knows that joke that, you know, 
Iceland has no ice and Greenland has nothing green. But, you know, during the summertime, Greenland actually does have some like green lichen and moss all over the rocks. So it's very pretty. Okay. (laughs) Now, now there's the magic question for you. Cause like you said, that's the old joke that Greenland has ice and Iceland has green. Um, How long is the summer actually in Greenland? So the summer months, um, it kind of starts, geez, like mid, late June and then goes until August, the end of August. And so you've got just barely any months of warmer temperatures and warmer temperatures being, <laughs> we had a high one day of like 52 degrees. Um, and then an average day was like 45 degrees Fahrenheit and but everything is celsius over there so they're telling you oh yeah it's like eight degrees today i'm like wait what and it's really not and i have to go oh yeah they're talking about celsius so i felt like the nerd that was completely out of sync to what was going on but also the the thing about the summers is you have daylight like almost 24 7 you have about maybe two hours of actual really darkness and then it starts to get twilight again and then it gets bright sunlight which was insane i'd never experienced something like that before oh wow so it has similar conditions because i know there's parts of alaska i guess in the very northernmost parts where they actually have those occasions where they get 24 hours of sunlight and then 24 hours of darkness so does greenland have that or is there all year round it's really short nighttime and mostly daylight no, so yeah, it, it's um, it's a seasonal thing. Uh, I guess especially like up north, very very north part of Greenland, they will get you know it's basically twenty four hours of sunlight or twenty four hours of dark. In South Greenland, um, along that parallel, you are below uh, where Iceland is, like in you know latitude or what whatnot. And but still, when I got there. I got there on July 9th, and the sun wasn't going down until about 1 a.m. Oh, wow. And then it was very promptly up again at about 2.45 a.m. Holy cow, so that's really short nighttime. Yeah, and I had to wear an eye mask, and like getting regulated to that time frame was insane. From the time I left the United States to actually getting to Iceland uh, because that was our first stop and we had to stay there overnight. I was awake for over 24 hours and, and then getting over to Greenland because I barely slept in Iceland because it's the same thing. You, you don't like the sun doesn't go down. Like you, uh, it didn't even get dark there at night. The, you just had this kind of twilight where it was, kind of hazy and then all of a sudden it was bright sunlight again it's like wait a minute what happened to nighttime (laughs) (laughs) it was crazy i would definitely need a sleep mask for those conditions because i wouldn't really get any sleep at all and i know i know there's a condition um and i can't remember what it's called uh for people that are new well no (laughs) for people that are new to um like that region of alaska where they have the 24 hours of daylight that lasts for like weeks at a time uh-huh. Um, people that aren't used to it will actually, um, uh, they'll get like, I, I don't know what they call it, but they get like daylight hyper where they just have so much energy because the sun never goes down. And then after like a week or so, they crash really hard. 
I could definitely see that. It took me two weeks to get used to the sleeping schedule going, okay, I need to go to bed at this time, no matter how bright it is outside. And I need to wake up at this time. And setting an alarm to go to sleep was very weird, but I had to do it because you just, yeah, you stay awake. I was outside looking for rocks and hiking around while in Greenland for the very first part till, you know, one thirty in the morning. And I'm like, Oh crap. I really, I, I should be going to bed. But then you, you go to bed and you sleep until like noon. Very, very bad schedule. <laughs> oh yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. That would definitely jack up your internal clock. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, there's six of you on the show, which is really yes. cool. You got three men and three women. And mm -hmm. from watching the first episode last night, I see it looked like Ray found some gold samples right away when he went to the, uh, to visit the claim with, uh, I think his name is Alex, the gentleman that owns the land. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was really exciting. I couldn't believe he found some gold that fast. And I believe, if I remember correctly, the twins actually stumbled upon some small rubies. Oh, uh, yeah. So um, the gold part, yeah, the, the claim does have a lot of gold. Um, Alex had come over there and he had dug a couple like test holes and that kind of thing and so yeah ray was finding some very fine gold right away which was awesome which allowed him to go okay you know all of my research paid off which was amazing and i'd have to say um what the twins were were looking at they weren't rubies um i they'd actually found them outside walking around on one of their hikes and brought them to me and asked me what they were. And I don't know exactly what prompted them to say that these were rubies after I'd told them that they were pieces of plastic. Oh goodness. And, <laughs> and so I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, so they were very new to like actual minerals and actual like gems and stuff like that. Like they, they did a lot of California gold mining, um, they've worked on like paid digs and uh, things like that where they would go and you know take their families out and go gold panning and that kind of a thing and but i don't know that they'd ever really seen actual rubies before so that was a, a little bit honestly difficult to watch going um i had already identified these for you guys you brought them to my room and so it was a little bit like well i don't know why you guys decided to use it but that was on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wondered about that. Cause I was like, man, can they really find rubies that quickly and easily in Greenland? If so, I need to get my butt over there. <laughs> there are a lot of rubies in Greenland. Um, Nasarsak is not known for rubies. However, Nuke Greenland, which is a little bit more up North and on the Western side of the Island, uh, that's where the big Ruby belt is. And there are a couple different Ruby claims over there as well as a large Ruby mine. And I got to actually go visit those two areas to see them. And that'll be later on. And that's about, I think episode eight and nine oh, that's where I so get cool. to go on a huge adventure to go find and look for rubies i'm super excited like i i can't wait to see it because like everybody else i excuse me i am seeing these things for the first time we did get to do a um a quick executive viewing of episode one 
so that the cast could see that, you know, this is our, this is our quality. This is what we've done with you guys. This is what's happening. And they answered some questions that we had and, you know, it was a awesome little experience to go over and see with the rest of the group that, Oh, you know, this is, this is what's happening. This is how we're, we're edited. And, and this is what they're presenting. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the rest of the episodes now because I have no idea. So next Sunday is going to be like really interesting. I will be in Phoenix with Dave Kelly. Uh, I'll be doing a, a modeling class down there and some individual shoots for like the entire weekend. And so we'll sit down and I'll be biting my nails to know exactly what they're going to do with episode two. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I saw on the preview for episode two, it looked like you and the, and Eric were butting heads a bit there. Oh yeah. Now was um, that were, really were your personalities clashing or was that stuff that the production company had you guys do to make the show more exciting? No. So, you know, anytime that there was any amount of drama uh, that was tried to, you know, um, taking into account so that the cast was, didn't feel uncomfortable or anything like that and m made to be minimized. And, but the, um, the, I guess, disagreement, or it actually is a, it was a huge argument that, that happened where, um, I was, Eric verbally attacked me. And unfortunately what happened that led up to what people are going to see wasn't all captured on film. Um, the, the, all of the filming had stopped. And so it was extremely emotional for me. Um, I, I don't do well when somebody starts to belittle me and pick on me and bully me. And so I just kind of start to close off at that point. And it hasn't happened to me in years. And so having a complete stranger start to do that to me, yes, what was seen is real drama, is a real argument that happens just because, I mean, if you act... I don't know if I can swear on your show. <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't have my show listed as explicit, but when I had Sarah John, he let a few slip. So, <laughs> and Apple has say, Apple hasn't sanctioned me yet. So, <laughs> well, if, I mean, if you if you're an asshole, uh, people are gonna like figure that out. And people that act like assholes, they're just I don't get along with those people. And you know, like overly dramatic and. Um, people that are fake. I just, I'm like, I'll call people out that do that. And I don't think that he liked it, that I, I called that out. Um, when, when I saw it and I don't think he likes it or liked it that I called him out that, you know, he was picking on me. And so it, it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens, but yeah, it, it was a scary situation. And honestly, like thinking about it, I get a little bit of anxiety and almost a, you know, people have called it like PTSD and I don't want to diminish that saying by saying that that's what I have, but it is stressful to think about. And, and some of the things that happened, well, most everything that, that happened is very real. Like, um, this isn't scripted. Like it's not something that, you know, you're like, okay, here's your script, go talk about this stuff. It's not like that. It's, you know, the stories and the the things that we're saying are either come from our real life experience or what's happening in real time on the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I wondered about that because I know I'm not a fan of reality television in general. 
Um, and the reason, <laughs> well, the reason I'm not knocking your show. The reason for it is, is so many of them are heavily scripted or semi-scripted or rigged. And a number of years back, believe it or not, Howard Stern actually proved it on his radio show. There was a season of American Idol where they had mm -hmm. a, cont a contestant on there, a young man. I want to say his name was like Sanjaya or something like that. Oh, and, I remember this person. Yep, and Howard wanted to prove to his audience that American Idol was rigged, that the audience doesn't actually pick the winner. So he had his audience vote every week for this guy, and they were racking up millions and millions of votes, and he still got booted off the show. Wow, yeah, I, I definitely could believe that. Yep. And, definitely uh, could. And now, generally, the only reality shows I'm interested in are the ones like you do, um, where there's <laughs> his, well, no, no, no. I, I like the ones where there's historical value or documentary value. I don't watch it anymore for various reasons, just scheduling conflicts and stuff. But I was mm -hmm. a junkie for a long time of American <laughs> Pickers. I love to watch Mike and Frank yeah. go out and find cool stuff. Yeah, and I am big. I have been big into watching uh, counting cars on the History Channel as well, because I love to see the work that Danny and his crew do in restoring older vehicles and bringing them back to their glory, or modifying them and making them better than they were originally. So your show, I'm actually a hundred percent into, because <laughs> you guys have the histor you have the documentary. Uh, style to your show so it's I had a feeling it probably wasn't scripted at all um, but I know even on some of the shows that aren't scripted like uh, for example Hell's Kitchen my dad always hated Gordon Ramsay because of the way he yelled at people and swore at him on Hell's Kitchen and <laughs> Gordon's done numerous interviews where he's like look I'm not really like that in real life the producers at Fox want me to be that way yeah. because it makes the show more exciting yeah so yeah, I, exactly. I didn't know if the conflict between you and Eric was real or if, if they uh, had you guys do it for like shock value. But when I was watching it, I was and then I saw the clip for an episode two. I guess you guys kind of really, really butt heads a little bit. And I was like, man, I wonder if she's going to knock him out. <laughs> oh, dude, I would have loved to do that. You have no idea. You'll. <laughs> and, and I really hope I mean. I hope when the audience does see it, uh, you know, throughout the season, you know, his personality flaws, I guess I would say, I hope those shine through. Um, I can't give any like spoilers away as to things that happen, but like, you know, when you don't listen to your crew or like your leader and stuff like that, and you do stupid stuff, it's like, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. And, you know, that person is like living proof of that. But yeah, if I could have decked somebody, I would have loved to. I mean, but I think that uh, I usually can handle myself with, you know, well-spoken vocabulary to put somebody in their place. And I honestly don't think that this individual in his entire life has ever been put in his place and especially not by a woman. Oh, and I yeah. think that that is something where, you know, he's always just, I wear the pants. I'm going to do this. Like he said, uh, you know, she'll pick up a rock and just look at it and, and explain all about it. I don't give two, you know, shits about, you know, what she says or what she's doing. I'm here for gold. And it's like, dude, you know what? Like you could be a little bit more, uh, 
of a human being. And so I just was like, you know, whatever, listening to him uh, last night, you know, because like watching the episode in real time, I'm like, well, yeah, you're, you know, you're, you clearly have like this complex going on that I don't think anybody's going to fix, but oh, well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I got that right away. I was like, man, that guy's got a bit of an air of arrogance to him, you know, cause I, I I understand you guys are over there primarily to find gold and hopefully make some money. Um, I guess from the way he was talking in episode one, Ray bankrolled this expedition. Is that um, true? What, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, he was talking about how, you know, how much it was costing him to do this trip to Greenland. And, yeah. you know, that he was hoping to recoup his expenses. So I didn't I didn't know if he was completely financing this expedition or if it was a joint venture between him and uh, the production company or the weather channel that, that financed the expedition. And I understand if you can't talk about it or you don't know the specifics about that. But uh, there was a couple of scenes where he was talking about, you know, how much it was personally costing him, especially when you guys got delayed because you got there. And the very first day, a member of the production crew tested positive for COVID and they locked you guys down for like 12 days. Yeah. And and so um, I'll answer this kind of in two parts with the the financial part for like Ray and, and that kind of thing. I can't speak to that unfortunately uh, but the the quarantine part that was very real and it like literally the night before I was like had my stuff packed up I was ready to go up on my adventure to the ice sheet after talking with Ray and the group in the museum and like there's this mass text message to everybody that said that a crew had tested positive and I'm like oh Wow. And I couldn't even believe that we just got there. We are literally like three days into this. We're getting all our ducks in a row. Everybody has what they need. Um, you know, we'd, we'd all been tested in, well, we, te- we had to be tested for COVID when we left the United States. We had to be tested for COVID in Iceland. Uh, we all had to have be fully vaccinated. And then we had to be tested when we got to the hotel in Greenland. And we were all good to go, except one person did have a false positive test. That person never got sick, nothing like that. But due to very strict, you know, out of the country rules, um, the rules for Greenland is if somebody in your group has a positive test, whether it's a false positive or not, you're all quarantined. So it was like a stir crazy, like nightmare. I wish they would have used more of the footage of the stuff I had given them because I was doing all kinds of stuff. I did full skits in my room. I made a short film that I will put together (laughs) just about quarantine life in the hotel room. Um, and so, and I really was trying to teach myself how to juggle. I nearly knocked myself out with an apple a couple of times because it came flying at my forehead and I'd get like, you know, applesauce nearly everywhere so to speak and like the they kept since you're i'm a vegetarian (laughs) and this is something that i just posted on my patreon um a little video of part of one of my meals when you say you're a vegetarian apparently in greenland it means you only eat vegetables (laughs) so they the there's a big language barrier and so i said you know i'm a vegetarian so I got one day, I got three salads for lunch. Oh, wow. They were pretty, but they were all in individual containers and it was nothing but lettuce. 
like there was no salad dressing there was no nothing it was just lettuce so like i lost a fair amount of weight in that amount of time because like for five days straight i had nothing but salad and that's nothing on them they're people in greenland are some of the most wonderful people that you will ever meet they are so kind and they're they love their country so much and they love their heritage and and it's very eminent in everything that they do they're very proud of their country and you know they should be it's absolutely stunningly beautiful and so you know the the way that i was fed was just kind of a misunderstanding it's like oh yeah she's a vegetarian you just give her some lettuce and she's good to go <laughs> oh my goodness yeah cuz i know there's i know there's different um I don't know if I want to call it classifications because I know there's vegetarians and then there's people that are vegan and the two groups have different standards for what's acceptable for them to eat and what's not. So if I remember correctly, vegetarian isn't as strict as veganism, correct? Yeah, exactly. So vegans don't eat anything that came from a face. Like, so they won't eat cheese or eggs, or I think some vegans won't even eat salt just because of the way it's prepared. And they won't eat sugar because sugar is bleached with pig bones. That's how they process sugar to bleach it. And so they won't even eat things like that. Uh, But as far as a vegetarian, it's like, I just don't eat meat. And then I'm kind of a quote unquote, like flexitarian is what my boyfriend calls it because I'll eat fish. And then occasionally on Thanksgiving, if I make the turkey, I will definitely eat turkey. However, in this show, like coming up um, in the next episode, uh, there is a very cool little surprise about what happens. But I actually try different versions of Greenlandic food, which is very meat based. And so I'll kind of leave it at that so that everybody can go see this and and whatnot. But it's, um, yeah, it's very different. But for the most part, vegetarians will eat anything except, you know, beef, chicken, pork. You just don't eat that. But you definitely will eat like their byproducts, so to speak. Does that make sense? Like milk, that kind of thing. Milk and cheese and stuff like that is okay with with vegetarians. Yeah. So oh, you, so if I didn't eat, you eat, eat like cheese, cottage I'd cheese die. and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love me some sour cream on a <laughs> like a bean and cheese burrito. Oh, oh yeah, so good. <laughs> uh, I can't stand I can't stand sour cream. Oh, I still <gasps> stuff. It's just so nasty. No. It's nasty. <laughs> it's so good. I'll uh, even eat it like by the spoonful and like sprinkle oh, some brown God. sugar on it. Oh, you're trying to make me vomit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> so uh, I do have another question for you because I don't know if you tried this or not but i know in the one scene in the show when they were pre- when ray and um i think it was christian were mm-hmm. preparing to go out to the claim and they had to travel by boat yes. the the boat driver and which might have been alex i can't remember and ray they were waiting because christian was sick and they were <laughs> saying something about it was some sort of greenlandic coffee drink that he tried and I think if I remember right, Alex said it's coffee, cream, and then three types of liquor. Yep. So Greenlandic coffee is a very traditional sort of a thing. Um, and I I got to, you know, try that while I was there. Um, it's, I don't even know what types of liquor it is. But yes, it's three different very strong liquors. And then it is hot coffee. Uh, and then it is whipped cream. And then a little bit of liquor poured over the whipped cream and then you light it on fire. And it's supposed to represent like the deep ocean, um, which is the, the mixture, the drink and the alcohol and the coffee below. And then you have 
the cream is represents the icebergs and the fire represents the northern lights. So you have this huge drink. Christian indulged on a lot of those in Kokortak while they were waiting um, before they left or after the, I guess the night they met Alex. So yeah, he wasn't feeling so well. He, he was blowing chunks for a couple days. He had, uh, had some issues with drinking that. So, you know, rule of thumb, I, I would know never overindulge on liquor, especially from a different country. If you don't know exactly what's in it. Um, but it was pretty funny. Uh, he, he was not drinking anything uh, for, I think, a good week after that. It, it messed him up pretty good. Holy cow. Yeah, I saw in the one scene, I mean, they kind of had it hidden because he uh, he had his head, like, around the corner or something. So oh, yeah. saw his body. But you could tell he was blowing chunks. <laughs> yep, exactly. And, and I guess that wasn't the only time either. There was, there was a couple other times, and uh, I was hoping it was going to make it in the episode. But, geez, I felt. I felt bad for him, but I mean, you kind of bring that on yourself. We're all adults. So yeah, <laughs> yeah that's crazy. It's kind of like Irish coffee on steroids. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, and a lot. And the one thing a lot of Americans don't realize is when you go outside of the United States, especially in European countries, mm-hmm. their alcohol is generally considerably stronger than the standard stuff you get here. So, you know, as an example, if you go to a liquor, like if I go to a liquor store here in North Carolina, they're state run. And, you know, I buy like uh, if I was to buy vodka or something like that, it's like 15 percent alcohol by volume. You know, so it's only, you know, 80 proof or whatever. But you go Mm -hmm. into a lot of these European countries and like their standard liquor is like 30 percent alcohol by volume or 40 percent. It's like 110 proof. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it's the same with their beer, because our beer in the United States is only like five to seven percent alcohol. But you go over to Europe, Scotland, Ireland, the UK, it's like 15 or 20 percent. Yeah, some of them were extreme. And I mean, I loved trying the different beer. A lot of the stuff that I got to try over there, um, like the food is kind of, it's imported from Denmark. Um, a lot of the, like the vegetables and anything that's that's really green and a lot of the cheeses because Greenland doesn't do any farming. They don't have the land to do it. Um, a lot of the terrain is old glacial moraine lateral fans on the fjords or it is um just a lot of cobbles and and giant debris flows that are everywhere on the fingers Uh, they do a lot of sheep farming because the sheep will eat like the lichen the little things in the grass and the moss that grows but they don't have any like cattle and, and stuff like that so it's very different any of that stuff has to be imported so a lot of the beer is imported but there was um in Narsak, there is a local brewery, and gosh, I don't remember the name of the beer, but they have really cool labels. The beer actually tasted really fantastic, you know, for like, it was almost like a microbrew sort of thing. And I believe it's also the only brewery in Greenland. And so I didn't actually get to go to it, but I got to uh, try the beer at a couple different locations. Um, getting around in Greenland, I'm changing the subject really fast, but like since I'm on it, Everything is done by boat. Uh, There is very, very little roads in any of the towns. And usually the towns, to get from town to town, it's an hour to a four-hour boat ride going town to town. And you kind of weave through the fjords and dodge the icebergs as you're going along. And then you can, like, get to a spot. And so, like, getting supplies trying to um, actually 
get different types of food or things that you need was it's really difficult because you can't just jump in the car and go, oh, I'm going to drive here. It's like you have to call the boat and then you have to wait for the boat and then the boat gets there. And as long as you can get out to the boat, depending on if it's low tide or high tide, it, there was a lot of logistics and so many different challenges that came with that, too. Yeah, I didn't realize when I was watching the start of the episode and the narrator was talking about Greenland, I didn't realize, I mean, it's, he said it's 800,000 square miles, the country is, but mm -hmm. the entire population would fit in one baseball stadium here in the U.S. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize that they had so few people living over there. I mean, I knew it wasn't heavily populated. Yeah. But I mean, if you're talking, you could fit the entire country's population in like Yankee Stadium. That's only like, what, 40, 50,000 people? Yeah, I, I think that roughly their population's 50,000 people. And so um, I believe it was, oh gosh, how many people was it? Uh, there was, in Nuke alone, is a third of the entire population of Greenland. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and so and I got to go visit Nuke, and and there is it was the first place I had actually seen any form of quote unquote traffic, where there was actual vehicles and people needed to drive around because that was one of the first place uh, that the Danish came over and actually colonized, and so they put up a bunch of housing, a lot of infrastructure, a lot of different roads, you know, when it came time to do that, and so that's where kind of everybody goes. Plus, it's the main. I think it's the second largest airport in Greenland, which that, I mean, that's not saying much, believe me, you walk in there and boom, you're at the plane, but the, the everything's very small and compact. And I think that there's only like 4,000 miles of actual roads in all of Greenland. Uh, and, Cause everything's by a boat. Like people, children are learning to uh, drive boats there as if they would a vehicle in the United States when they turn 16. Oh, wow. and, that's crazy. Yeah. It, everybody has a boat. That's just, it's like everybody in the United States has a car. Well, everybody over there has a boat and they might, um, some of them have a four wheeler to kind of bounce around if they're in the smaller communities. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I couldn't believe that when he said there was only, I thought he said there was only like 4,000 4, miles of roads in the entire country. And I was like, wow, that's not a lot. <laughs> I'm like, Ellie's going to be doing a lot of boat riding. <laughs> I was, I was doing a ton of hiking. Um, the hike to the ice sheet on its own. And you have to remember, like, there's an entire camera crew with you that is, you know, documenting this as you're climbing up these hills with your guide yep. and you so you don't see them like huffing and puffing. You just see us going, Oh my gosh, we're going to die. And going up that like sheer face of that cliff, I don't even think that the video that we got did it justice because there were so many times where you're slipping or it's just like you're on your hands and knees and you are grabbing and clawing your way up these these cliffs to get there. And so that that first leg of the trip, um, that day that we did uh, was five and a half miles 
and and so it was just it was such an extremely long hike because it was all straight up and then it was, some of it was flat you know like us where we we're jumping over the creeks and whatnot and the little marshy areas that was hilarious i thought for sure i was going to go over backwards and like just land inside of one of them so i was super glad that i just got over the creek itself but you had to take off your shoes and wade across the creeks because there was a bunch of them they're like little rivers everywhere little stringers going out and the we camped up on this beautiful place where you could see the ice sheet where you saw us put up our tents. And then that next day we walked as close to the ice sheet as possible. And then after that, we walked back. Well, I had kept a mileage mileage, geez, <laughs> a kind of a step count and an overall travel count on my phone. And so the, the trip back was, I think, 7.2 miles because we'd made the entire walk to the ice sheet, then back to camp, and then back down to where we were catching the boat to actually go over to our uh, our claim. So, like, the, the second day was much longer, and, oh, man, it was raining and gnarly, and just, like, the weather changes so fast. So it was it was insane. It I did so much, so much hiking. It was crazy. Yeah, I can imagine. And I kind of, uh, I was puzzled because when you and Eric got uh, up close to the ice sheet, mm -hmm. um, you, you were talking about where you were going to do a little sample pull, uh, uh, panning and stuff like that. And he was like, well, I'm going to go over to this spot. And you were like, no, I wouldn't recommend that. That's pretty dangerous. And he was basically like, oh, I'm just going to do whatever I want anyways. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that dude's not very smart. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, exactly. Because he's like, oh, I'm just going to I'm going to shuffle down here and I'm going to go over there. I was like, uh, like you could see my, my face just went full on, like, you know, no filter. And I was like, dude, you can't do that. Like you're going to trip and die basically. Cause it, it started to rain a lot heavier actually than you could see in, in the footage because everything was slick. Everything was wet. And I'm like, great. You're going to be the person that walks off that clip, breaks your full leg. And then I'm going to have to drag your ass out of here, like on, you know, some sticks in a, in a coat. And I was like, I didn't want to do that. I'd rather have just left him there. But <laughs> the, as you could see from like our whole little attitudes that, you know, he, he just didn't want anything to do with any portion of what I had to say, like my authority in the situation was like null and void. As far as he was concerned, he just had the biggest attitude about it. I was like, okay, dude, you break your full leg, whatever. I, I, I gave up at, at one point just going, well, if you want to be a dummy, go for it. And then, yeah, he didn't even see what was going on. So, yeah, oh, well, you know, it, <laughs> it was frustrating. Well, worst case scenario, if he fell off the cliff and broke his leg or something, you could just get the guide's rifle and shoot him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put him out of his misery like I'm a horse with a broken leg. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that guy definitely had an attitude. I was like, yeah, I don't think Ray should have picked him because yeah, kind of a dick. And yeah, he has no respect for women whatsoever. No. Mm -mm. That was Not crazy. at all. Now, the well, one of the things I loved is when you guys first got there and you were kind of like, you were standing around the one table and you were like taking charge, you know, looking at the map and where you guys were going to explore and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, that's Ellie and her element. Cause she, you know, you're a geologist. So you know what you're talking about. You'd researched all this ahead of time. And then yeah. this guy wants to be a complete dick and not listen to anything you're telling. Yeah. He was like, cause you, I think he made a comment that was really rude. I thought he said, Oh, you know, I just want to get back to camp. I just want to get back with my team and find some gold. And I'm thinking, dude, I am one of your team members. 
you're here also looking for gold. Like, what part of this do you not realize is such a blessing for you even to see this? I mean, I was blown away that he had such an attitude. Oh, I just want to get back to camp and look for gold. It's like, well, if you're that good of a prospector, like he claims he is, then how about you look for gold where you're at? And I think his problem is everybody has told him where to look for gold. Like, oh, you can find gold here and you can find gold there. So go find it. I don't know that he's ever uh, gone out to a raw place in nature and gone, okay, where can I actually start to prospect? Where can I do that? And I explained that to him, you know, I'm, I am a professional geologist. I can help you because we had many conversations, you know, and, um, I said, I do this for a living. I, I consult on claims. And I said, I can show you what people have found due to my knowledge. So I'm, I'm trying to impart that knowledge on you and help you as best I can. But I mean, you can only do that so much for people. I mean, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So if they're not willing to listen to you, basically you're just talking to a brick wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the thing that blew my mind. Cause I was like, okay, uh, Ray apparently has been mining gold in Alaska in the Yukon yeah. and mm -hmm. Ellie's a professional geologist. So it's like, if any two people in the group are going to actually find the bloody gold, it's going to be you two. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I was like, this guy is stupid. It's like you should be listening to Ray and Ellie because she has the experience from the geology standpoint. And Ray has like 30 years of experience from the mining perspective. Yeah. And I, yeah. And so now one thing that did intrigue me is I mm -hmm. didn't realize how panning for gold works. And it was great that you explain you and Ray were explaining that as you were each doing it, because I didn't mm -hmm. realize I know panning for gold's been around forever. It's like the yeah. tried and true method for finding gold. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize, I never realized that the reason for that was, is you, you know, you scoop up, you get some water in there, you swirl it mm -hmm. around, and then all the heavier elements uh, stay behind as the lighter stuff, you know, comes out, you know, gets slashed or swirled or, or whatever you want to call it out of the pan. And then yeah. the heavier elements, gold, iron, and stuff like that are what stayed behind. I never knew that's how that worked. So I was really glad that you guys explained that. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I'm glad you learned like learned something from it because that's, that's half the point. Not everybody knows like about gold panning or how to gold pan. So on my YouTube channel, I think I've gone over a couple of these things a couple of times, probably not in detail. So you've given me like a great idea actually to put more emphasis on, on making a video. So thank you for saying that. <laughs> but, oh, no problem. Um, yeah. So they, you know, gold rides an iron horse. That's what they say because the amount of heavy material, which is a lot of iron based material, like, um, hematite and magnetite that gets left in the bottom of the pan. That's your dark sands. And a lot of people want to crawl the, the black sand off of the bottom of the pan because they say, oh, it'll, it'll, you know, it'll reveal the gold. Well, that only works for places like California gold and, uh, you know, places like uh, where you find Alaskan gold because it's big enough to stay there. Um, for very, very, very fine gold, once you start to roll that material off with a magnet, you end up uh, trapping the gold in the magnetite and then pulling it out. And so you get rid of it. So you have to be very careful, like the, some of the techniques that you will see throughout the season of what some of the people do. Uh, you have to be very careful because you can't get rid of the gold. But yeah, all the heavy material, it falls to the bottom. And that can include REMs. Um, like, you know, some of the stuff that I was finding, um, 
again, there's not a lot that I can say about certain things because buzzwords, I guess, like REM couldn't be used. Um, but REMs in general, they can be very heavy metals. They can be uh, things that will act like gold and even look like gold and silver in certain conditions, um, like and very, very easily trick you. And they have the same weight and the same properties. So when you're gold panning and you get some of those in the bottom, you're like, oh my gosh, but it takes further testing uh, in order to you know, figure things out. So uh, those sorts of, uh, I guess, anomalies can happen. And it's a bummer when uh, you can't necessarily talk more about them if you get my drift. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because I noticed on the the scene where you and Eric were up near the the ice shelf, um, you actually found a sample um, mm -hmm. that did look like gold. And then I guess later on, when you guys got back down, you tested it, and it turned out it wasn't. Now those items that you're talking about are they the ones that were always called fool's gold? No, no, no. Fool's gold is iron pyrite, and you get a lot of pyrite actually and micas up where we were at. And so a lot of that, that's what fool's gold is. Um, and because people would very much think that it was. REMs though, or rare earth minerals, or they also call them REEs or rare earth el elements. Um, those are often found in new places. And Greenland is actually, uh, has a very, um, I guess, prevalent, uh, uh, not not reaction, but um, prevalent amount of REMs in the country. And so, and a lot of those are being more well-researched and uh, more mining is being developed around those because we use those every day. We use them in wind turbines. We use them in jet engines. We use them in computers and telephones and, you know, all of the speakers, that kind of thing, microphones. People don't realize how much we use them. And being able to identify them is a, you know, a whole nother world of aspects that uh, things that you have to do in order to figure them out. And so not being able to talk about that as much as I wanted to while I was there was frustrating just because I, I, in my wheelhouse, I do know a lot about them. And, uh, but you can't, you can't fix when they cut out what you're saying, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it sounds like, uh, well, for different reasons, uh, it sounds mm -hmm. like Greenland has this a similar situation, but due to different reasons that uh, Afghanistan had. And I'm not trying to get political here, but I no, know no. the biggest thing in the country of Afghanistan is in the northern mountains. And I, I've seen this on historical documentaries and stuff like that. Afghanistan actually has trillions of dollars in various raw materials that have never been mined or anything because for the longest time it's never had an organized cohesive central government that's actually running the country without all the warlords getting involved and all these factions and stuff and it's just really sad because afghanistan has enough natural resources from what i've heard in documentaries that the country could be extremely wealthy and, uh, yeah. and like I said, theirs is for different reasons, but it's my mm -hmm. understanding that because of all the ice that has been in Greenland for 60,000 plus years, that's why none of the valuable stuff has been found there yet. Yeah. It's so much of it. Everything is covered with ice. I mean, some of the ice sheets, at least as far as like asking questions and research, they can be over five miles thick or more. I mean, holy cow. Yeah, that's a lot of ice, but 
seeing it even in real time while you were there, like melt off and watching the glaciers cave into the water and, you know, experiencing big icebergs like crack because of the heat and, you know, but I, we're talking like only 52 degrees, but that's warm for that area. And the, one of the, I guess, scariest things as far as, you know, climate change, global warming, all of that kind of stuff that happened while I was there after the, like the first hurricane that came in, like we got the tail end of, of it. And it was very, very scary, you know, as we were there on camp and, you know, in, in different parts of Greenland at the same time that for the very first time in recorded history, the highest point in Northern Greenland received rain oh and God. they didn't even have any type of equipment to measure how much rain they got because they'd never set it up before because it has always only ever snowed or it's just been, you know, giant, you know, windblown sheets of ice, so to speak. But it's always only ever snowed, no rain at all. So, you know, the reason they knew it was raining is because somebody was outside going, oh my gosh, it's it's raining here. We received rain. And so that's just, it's kind of a testament that, you know, within our lifetime, these things are happening right now that are very real. And so watching that and, you know, being able to, I took so many pictures up there. I photographed everything. Um, I think I have probably a good, geez, 8,000 plus photos that I took just while I was there. And every week I was doing like a weekly download of my phone just so, because it would back up and say, nope, you don't have any more room left. And I was like, <laughs> crap. And, you know, and I have a fairly large 264 whatever on my Apple phone and it, it's always freaking full. And so <laughs> I was constantly getting rid of it, but being up there and like, you know, watching, like taking videos or, or making, you know, um, recording things on my GoPro and then rewatching it. I'm like, yeah, this is cool, but nothing is the same as when you can see it with your own two eyes and oh, just yeah. watching it. It was crazy. And I keep looking at my photos going, oh, that's so pretty. And I'm so glad I got a picture of it. And it makes me remember how it was and what it looked like while I was sitting there watching it happen, like the Northern Lights. I'd never seen an Aurora Borealis or the Northern Lights, solar flares, whatever people want to call them, in my lifetime. And I was up sitting behind camp, and this was in, uh, I saw, I got to see them three, four different times, but the best one was, uh, I think it was my, my dad's birthday, actually, September 18th. There might have been the day after my dad's birthday. But regardless, you walk outside of the tent and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's happening. So I grab my phone and I grab my little stand so that I could, like, stabilize it to do, like, you know, long exposures of 30 seconds. But I was able to actually record it. It was so bright that I was like, I'm going to try to record this with my phone. And it, I, it wouldn't focus very well. But it looks like the, the colors in the sky is just going to pop out and grab you. I mean, it looks like it was coming right towards your face in this 3D motion of all of these swirling colors. And and I got to see like the whole gamut of colors from the green, the yellow, the blue, and the purple, all of them swirling around in this beautiful light show. And, and it lasted, I don't know, a good, I'd say 15, 20 minutes of just a real intense light. And then it kind of dulled after that, but it was the entire sky. I, I couldn't turn my head quick enough to like see it all. That's how... That's how amazing it was. 
Wow. And I saw you posted one of your photos of the Aurora Borealis on your on your Facebook page. And I am so jealous. Yeah. Because any anybody that's done landscape photography, that's like on their bucket list. They want to yeah. get, get their own shot of the Aurora Borealis. And yep. you got yours already, and I haven't even gotten mine yet, so I'm hurt. <laughs> I'm, <sorry>. I'm so <laughs> jealous. <laughs> well, geez, lately they've had such big solar flares that, uh, like, all the states up north and, and Canada and stuff has been seeing amazing northern lights. Uh, like, what, not not this last week, but the previous two weeks, I guess it was insane. And Dave was actually telling me about that. And he's like, yeah, there's all these solar flares. It's been doing great. He's all, but it sucks when I get on my ham radio, I can't call anybody. <laughs> yeah. Cause the solar flares jack that all up. Yeah. And Dave and I are both into ham. I got to get my ham shack set up here. I haven't done it since we moved to North Carolina. Cause I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to put it. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I've always wanted to shoot the Northern lights, but the bugger is any place mm -hmm. that you can shoot it from, is freezing cold. <laughs> yeah. So you got to go out there and freeze your tail off to get those beautiful colors. Exactly. And you have to be there like for a little bit because it doesn't happen every single night. Yeah. Just like a good sun, you know, a good sunset sky doesn't happen every day. You know, you got to be out there for a while to get it. Yeah. Unless you're in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'm jealous. You got the Aurora Borealis way before I got a chance to. Well, you'll you'll get yours. You just you just got to get there and do it. Yeah, I know. I got to get out there. Uh, but any other information you want to share about the show, or do you want to move on and talk about some of your other projects? Because I know you've been working on a ton of stuff. Uh, well, honestly, I mean, I don't. I, I could probably talk about the shows for like ever. But I mean, you know, people will, you know, get involved. I hope, and and they'll watch it. I hope it does well. Um, there is, you know, talk of possibly doing another season of going back uh, to, you know, after everybody sees what happens um, to, you know, go find more gold up there and to do better development and that kind of thing. We'll see. Uh, I'm excited to see how the series pans out because I'm, you know, I haven't watched it. I'm watching it just like everybody else did um, or is, excuse me. And, and so I'm, I'm genuinely, genuinely curious exactly how everything's going to play out and what parts of the story are going to be used and which ones aren't. So it's nerve wracking to say the least, but um, yeah, let's, let's move on to, to another topic. <laughs> well, just before we leave the show topic, uh, that was yes. the other thing I was wondering about is if you guys were going to get lucky enough to get another season, because the big mm -hmm. thing that I was thinking just from watching the first episode, I'm like, okay, it looks like from what Ray was saying, uh, and some of the stuff you were saying, you guys didn't have enough of the correct gear and equipment over there. So I mm -hmm. was thinking, God, I hope they give them a season two so that maybe next year they can go back with the right gear and equipment and accomplish so much more. Yeah, exactly. If even going over there, I, I didn't know exactly what to expect. Um, you know, the, planning on on this type of thing like for me it was very last minute um i i'd actually i asked for a leave of absence from my work and they were very rude and you know i've, I've been very open about how rude the company is that i work for and they said sorry due to the nature of your request we are not going to extend you a leave of absence to go to greenland <laughs> 
And I was like, wow, you guys have given people longer leave of absence for just retarded, stupid, ignorant stuff. But yet this is a chance for me to fulfill a huge lifelong dream of just combining my passions of geology and filming and, you know, pursuing my dreams. And you guys are just going to squash all over me. So I guess, you know, that's the loyalty that lies with working for a company for eight years. And I, I couldn't believe that they just threw me aside, basically. So I, I called up my GM and I said, well, I, um, since you won't accept this and you won't give me a leave of absence, you know, I, I guess I'll be going to Greenland. And um, since I don't have your permission, I'll call HR and I will, you know, put in my resignation uh, because this means more to me to go and do this than, you know, to stay here and, you know, not take a chance on finding beautiful minerals and specimens in gold in Greenland. So I up and quit my job, which is a very scary thing to do um, for, you know, the aspect of being on an amazing show and actually documenting the entire like trials and tribulations of going to a foreign country and trying to be the first ever placer gold miners in history in Greenland. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's crazy. Cause I know you, we've talked before about how badly they treated you there. And I mm -hmm. just, I just don't understand that. I mean, from, you know, if I was running the company and you know, my geology, one of my geologists came to me and said, Hey, I've got an opportunity to go over there. Can I take a leave of absence? I'd be like rock and roll, you know, knock yeah. yourself out. <laughs> when you come back, your job will still be here. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I honestly, I, I was hoping that um, that's what would happen. I mean, I, I'm actually, uh, you know, I'm the only person that quit their job completely to go do this. Everybody else got to put their job aside and they left it behind, you know, so that we could all go take a chance on doing this. So, you know, a lot of us lost, I'd say, a fair amount of money just, you know, going, okay, I'm, I'm uprooting myself and I'm going to go take this chance and, you know, to see what happens. But for me, I call it an investment in myself because sometimes you have to give up a lot in order to gain something. And, and so that's the mindset that I took going into this. Yeah. And I don't blame you a hundred percent. I mean, if you get an opportunity like that, you, you know, you can't pass it up, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, you got to fulfill your dream. And as a geologist and as this, as somebody that's into acting and stuff like that. I mean, mm -hmm. you got, you got both, both in one little package there. You can't, pay. there's no way you could pass that up. It's insane. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited. Like I posted a, a you know, TikTock of me watching me on the show. And then another one this morning was like, I'm on national television. So I was freaking out. You can imagine because of our other post conversations that we've had. It's like, I will get there someday. All of the things that I'm working for are going to get me to this point that I want to be at. And this is, you know, another, another stepping stone to, to see it come to fruition. Exactly. It's been just amazing. Yep. And now I know you're limited as far as how many characters you can use on there. But one of the things I was thinking of last night that I hadn't messaged you about yet, because uh, like I said, you said, we talked about it before. And generally, it's been my experience just that I've observed that anytime somebody gets on a reality TV show, they get start getting verified on all the social media platforms. They get that verification badge as a celebrity and yada, yada, yada. Um but if you have room, one of the things you might want to do to accelerate that is put a little comment in there. You know, I'm one of the stars of Frozen Gold on the travel or on the Weather Channel. 
and that might accelerate that. But it's been because I know mm-hmm. I've been a big fan of uh, uh, American Ninja Warrior. And even when the rookies have their, uh-huh. fir- their first run on that show, they get instantly verified on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else. So yes, I'm- and that is the next step I'm going to. I will definitely be working with um, uh, Summer, who's a good friend of mine, and she'll um, we'll go down the right path so that I can get those verification badges across my social media. And I'm hoping that this is going to be, you know, it's a large enough platform. I believe that that will happen. Well, I'll keep my fingers crossed. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, I would think so, because I've seen people get verified on, you know, from reality shows they had on the Travel Channel. They had one years ago that I loved to watch and it was America's worst driver and they only had the show <laughs> and I didn't understand it because the show was only on for two seasons but it had like really good ratings so I don't know why the travel channel uh, scrapped it but basically what they would do wow. is they would get submissions from regular people and each see uh, each season each week they would go to a different city major city like uh Los Angeles or New York City or Boston or Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and they would get submissions from people in that mm-hmm. area of somebody that the person doing the submission felt was just an absolutely terrible driver. And they would get on the show, and then these people would have to do obstacle courses. They would have to do various things driving around the city on kind of like a scavenger hunt. But at the same time, they're being tailed by like an off-duty cop who flags all their traffic violations and all that <laughs> stuff. And then it comes down, they, and they come on that show, it would come down to the last two people. And whoever in that city was deemed to be the absolute worst driver would have their car destroyed right before their eyes. And oh my that, god! Yeah, and that show was absolutely—I loved it. It was absolutely hysterical. But all the all the people that they were just regular people, but everybody that was on that show, boom, they got their verification badges like crazy. So I'm hoping the same thing happens for That's you. That's awesome, though. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. I hope so. <laughs> I've always supported you. I, you know, I want the best for you. Uh, I I think it's great you that have. you're reaching for the stars, that you're pursuing your dreams, and I hope it does work out for you. Thank you. Yep. No, okay. So now we've we've talked about your latest project, which is Frozen Gold on the on the Weather Channel every Sunday at eight o'clock. So make sure you watch it, everybody. You got to see this show. It's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's move on. And what else do you want to talk about recent project wise that you've been on? Um, well, the things that um, I have a couple short films that I'm doing uh, here soon, but uh, I guess the biggest project is a feature film that we're working on. Uh, the teaser trailer did come out, and maybe you saw it, but it's for Alibi. And the the whole campaign that um, Carlos has put together has been, you know, really spectacular. We're I've been with the project since, you know, inception of it, and I'm... I'm gung-ho and I'm super thrilled. I'm playing the lead character who is a psychiatrist who moonlights as a dominatrix, but she just, she goes through some pretty hard times. Um, she, you know, she's been living a lie just basically to make her family happy and uh, appease her mom more than anybody else. But she realizes that at an older age that, you know, she doesn't have to do this anymore and she can go kind of be her own person. And through doing that, she meets Monica who just messes up her whole life. 
And so I get to play and reenact this character that um, I think will be awesome. And so we start uh, production on this full-time in January. And it was meant to be um, the beginning of this month, but due to some logistic things and a lot of holiday like over planning as far as the venue that we were going to be shooting at, it's just the logistics didn't work. So we decided to wait till the holidays were over and then start like full production full time January and February of next year so that it can actually have a debut date of fall of 2022. Oh, cool. So we'll, we'll see. It's exciting. Um, there's, uh, we've had a lot of good bites on it. Um, some really major networks have, um, you know, proposed different things for the film. So I fingers crossed that this is going to be huge and amazing. And just regardless, like I love the people that I'm working with and it's an exciting project to be on. Oh, that does sound exciting. That's congratulations. I didn't realize that you had a film that you were working on where you're going to be the lead. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Yes. Now I got to ask you. you, cause I know we've talked about it before. Um, I know you did some Westerns. Hmm. Where can those films be found? Because I yes. don't know where I can go to watch them. I don't know if they're on Hulu or Netflix or if I have to buy them in iTunes or <laughs> what the case is. So the um, I was in three different Westerns last year. Uh, I was I did the only woman cameo in um, uh, Accounting Bullets. Uh, which was by Travis Mills. And then I played one of three lead females in an all-female Western, and it, that is called The New Frontier. And that just got was available now on um, Amazon Prime. I think it's $2.99 to rent it. Um, I think it's $7 to buy it. Um, it wasn't, like, picked up by Amazon, so it's not, like, you know, that kind of thing. But you can stream it off of Amazon Prime Video with the rental fee. And, I mean, that was awesome. And that's a full-length feature film. The aspect ratio is a little bit different um, because it was shot very French-esque uh, style. And you'll people who watch it, they either love it or they're just like, uh, yeah, I don't need to see that again. But that's, you know, that's fine with me. You either love it or you hate it. doesn't matter. But we've had a, an amazing, like, outcome as far as the reviews go like people actually absolutely love our very raw acting skills that are there because it's very intimate film as far as like the way the cinematography was done it's very in your face you can see all of the emotions you can see you know all of the stuff and so it was very different it, everything's in black and white and so you know there was n no real makeup on the film set uh, you know you just it was a western so i mean and it was meant to be like way back when, I mean, you, you know, you brushed your hair and it still looked frizzy and, and weird. The, the clothing for the period of the film is just very different. And um, I think the most makeup I wore was like some mascara and, you know, uh, so it was a very different to be under such scrutiny of the camera being so close to you and, and, you know, being very raw like that. So that was awesome. Uh, that that film came out. I think we did um, our red carpet event of the premiere. We did it at a theater in Phoenix, the Alamo Theater, and uh, that was in June, right before I left to go to Greenland. So I got to be there for that, which was cool. And then the third one I was in was called Heart of the Gun, and that won't be coming out until the end of December. And I I play the role of uh, 
kind of an asshole prostitute. Um, I'm, I'm in a cool corset, which I absolutely love. And, and I don't know if people are going to recognize me because I have a wig on that is a very short brown haired wig. So I look very different in the film of, you know, anything that I've done before, but it was a beautiful film and I got to, you know, meet a bunch of really cool people. Um, I don't remember the guy's name because I'm horrible with names, but, um, the one of the actors in it played Curly Bill in Tombstone. Uh, if oh, anybody's yeah. I know, I know what you're talking about. I can't think of his name either, but I know who you mean. Yeah, so so he was in this movie, and you know it was lovely to meet him, and he was a very gracious soul. So it was cool to hang out with him on set, and so you know I have had a fair few projects, just kind of you know, waiting for all of them to like come out and, and that kind of thing, so that you know people can see them, but. Um, yeah, very, very busy schedule for filming as well. <laughs> That's awesome, though. I'm so happy for you. Now, you. Um, I thought you guys were doing, uh, wasn't there a, pro a project you were involved in that was going to be like 12 Westerns in 12 months or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So that's what this was. All of these Westerns that I'm talking about, the three I was in were done by Travis Mills. And he actually did do 12 Westerns in 12 months. I was only in three of them. Oh, um, darn. And so, <laughs> well, it was, you know, um, by the time I'd found out about it, he was already like four or five Westerns in. And most of the other ones had already been cast. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and actually, the New Frontier was something that he was not even going to do. But because of myself uh, and Jenna and Alyssa, who all loved the script, we're like, yeah, this is fantastic. Um, let's, you know, we'd so be willing to do this. So it was a shoestring budget, meaning, you know, the actors didn't get paid. Um, we got food and lodging and we did the film and we did it in two weeks. Um and it was, you know, the cinematography's done on it. Jordan did an absolutely amazing job. And, you know, if people see it, they'll they'll really see how much love actually went into the film. And That's so, true. yeah, Travis is still doing a ton of stuff. Um, he's even written an entire Western series that um, will start filming um, in the next, I don't know, like year and a half or something like that, which I actually have a a more prominent lead role in the entire series. I think it's like 10 episodes or something like that. And so that'll be, that'll be pretty cool as well. Well, it sounds like that project might be something similar to uh, the Lonesome Dove series. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of is. I'd love that Western series. That was actually yeah. great. Uh, I think it was originally supposed to be a movie, but then they turned it into a mini series because there was just way too much content for a film and, <laughs> They didn't want to release it as like two or three films in the theater, so they decided to do it as a miniseries. Yeah. That's so cool. That is Thanks. awesome. I didn't realize that you were only getting to do three of the Westerns. I was hoping you were getting to do all 12. <laughs> no, that would have been awesome, but <laughs> I'm, been I'm totally grateful to awesome. be in the three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a huge opportunity for you. And mm -hmm. I know I, I've heard other stories where, you know, people that are now A-list celebrities started out doing the same kind of work you're doing, you know, independent films on a shoestring budget. And then mm -hmm. you get lucky enough to get spotted by the right person in one of your films. And next thing you know, you know, you're shooting for Sony pictures or Warner brothers or somebody big like that. So I'm hoping with all the, uh, with all the exposure that you're getting in these different films and now the TV series, that that's going to happen for you. Oh, it, it's going to be, I, you know, I've told this to a lot of people and people ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, I'm going to be famous. 
And of course, people laugh at me, but I'm I'm okay with that because I am very tenacious and I'm extremely driven and I will be one of those A-list stars. I am going to, you know, be the person that people are walking down the street and go, oh my gosh, we need a picture with her or whatever. And, and I welcome that, you know, just in the little community that I have already. Um, I was in a cafe in Nuke in, you know, the, the shopping center there. And I was by myself chilling out and somebody came up behind me and tapped me on my shoulder and said, is this, or no, he said, where are you from? And he spoke very, very poor English. And I said, I'm from Arizona. I'm, I'm here on a filming project. And they're like, is this you? And he turned his phone around to me to my Ellie Knows Rocks TikTok channel. And I was like, yeah, that's me. And he like shouted, oh my gosh, this is Ellie. And it was very cute. <laughs> and he wanted a picture with me. So we snapped a quick picture and I did a uh, a small little video and I put it on TikTok. His name was Jorgen and very kind man. Um, everybody, I guess, gave him a little bit of crap and me too saying, oh, you met the only Trump supporter in all of Greenland. I was like, I don't care who he supports, who he doesn't support. I was just saying hi to him and he was saying hi to me. There was no politics involved. And, and I said, I don't want to be involved in them. But it was just cute that he came up and I was kind of bombarded. But that happened to me two other times while I was there. Oh, and that's and cool. I thought it was really neat. And that was just over, you know, my my TikTok channel that people love. Or I guess it's not a channel. It's more of a, a page. But, you know, I have a big following over there. And so people people are entertained and that kind of stuff. So I, I absolutely love it. That's so cool and so awesome. <laughs> I can't believe you're getting uh, you're getting people approaching you on the street now. That's so awesome. And I hope, I hope you're able to stay the way you are now, because one of the saddest things is there are so many people and I, you know, and again, I'm not trying to get political or anything either. This is more a personality thing. There's just so many people in Hollywood that once they became A-list celebrities, they, you Mm -hmm. know, they think they're above everybody else in the world. And it's like, uh, you shouldn't be treating your fans like garbage on the street because those are the people that made you famous. They're exactly. the people that paid the money to see you in a movie or supported yes. your TV show or the Broadway plays that you used to do. And now yes. that you become an A-list celebrity, you treat everybody like garbage. That's just stupid. And it, and it doesn't no. happen to everybody. I know that I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I know there's a couple of, of really famous high high level A-list celebrities that are so personable when they're out in public. If somebody asks them for an autograph or a selfie, they're like, absolutely, come on over, let's do this. Um, yeah. But so many of them, when they get famous, they just think they're better than everybody else. And it's like, these people, the average people on the street are why you got where you are. Yes. Yeah, and if, if people, if it's sad that they don't realize that, and but I don't see myself like changing in that way. I just feel way more humbled just because you know, people recognize me and I'm just one tiny person. And, you know, it's, I'm insignificant in, in the whole aspect of, you know, the universal world or whatever you want to call it. And I, but if people like me that much or, or I've impressed them to do something or I've made an impact or, you know, yeah, they want to come watch a film that I'm in, but you know, they want my autograph or picture at the same time that's not a problem. I mean, because it's, it's them. It's those people that are like, Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to meet you. And if I can impose like a small bit of joy in somebody's life by doing that, that's amazing. And that's, 
that's something that, you know, these A-listers that are already there should live for and not shun or, or push off. That, you know, that would not be me. And, you know, if somebody ever said that about me, well, they better freaking pull up this episode or any other time that I've said this and shove it in my face because that's what it would be worth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, I can think of, I know one person I can I can talk about from personal experience. And I think I've told you this story before. So many, many years ago in my little pissant hometown of Troy, Pennsylvania, um, <laughs> one of my mom's co-workers at her job, her and her husband were looking to sell a cabin that they had on Armenia Mountain. And mm-hmm. we were all shocked to find that Lou Ferrignal was the guy that bought it the actor from the old Incredible Hawk TV series. Yeah. And he's done cameos. He did a cameo in the uh, the newer Incredible Hawk that had Edward Norton in it. Um, uh-huh. And he's done some other cameos in other movies. But that guy is so cool, so uh-huh. down to earth. And one of the reasons why he loves spending every summer in my little pissant country town is because, A, the people don't hound him there, even though he's a celebrity. Yeah. And he hangs out in the local pizza shop because he and my friend Joe that owns Vinny's Pizza, um, <laughs> they golf together all the time. They usually go up to the <laughs> golf course in Mansfield, PA, which is about 20 miles away, and they golf together on Saturdays. And one of the reasons why he likes our little town is because people don't swamp him. But I've sat and had lunch with him. Well, I call it lunch, but usually we, we split a pizza and we end up BSing for like three or four hours <laughs> in the restaurant. But even on occasion when somebody comes in, they're like, hey, Lou, can I get an autograph or can I take a selfie with you? He's like, absolutely. Come on over and let's do this. Aww. And he is just so personable and down to earth about stuff like that. But at the same time, I think some of it is because... Uh, And I'm not saying the people in my hometown area are better than anybody else, because a lot of them that I went to high school with were jerks. Um, (laughs) But I think some of it is just because he can walk down the street in that town without an entourage, without bodyguards, and people aren't swarming him and pestering him constantly, you know, for autographs or free eight by tens that are signed and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, But he's definitely one of the people that I know for a fact from personal experience. He is so down to earth for somebody that's famous. That's awesome. That is so cool. Yep, absolutely. And I can see you being that way. I, you know, I tease you all the time that, yeah, once you become an A list celebrity, you'll stop returning my calls. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. And, and to be honest to my listeners, I did tease her last night and I said, hey, when you do become an A list celebrity, even though we're not husband and wife, could you Tom Arnold me? That would be awesome. <laughs> Because anybody that doesn't know, that's how Tom Arnold became famous. Is uh, he he married Roseanne Barr while she was doing the Roseanne show, and she started yeah. letting him do cameo appearances on there, and that's how his Hollywood career took off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so now, anytime you want to do something like that, we just call it the Tom Arnold. Okay, we, we, deal. <laughs> oh man, that would be so awesome. Actually, the big thing I would love to do, and you and I've talked about this before, is I would love a chance to do stills photography on an independent film. Um, oh, I know, yeah. I've never gotten a chance to do that. And I saw um a recommended page on my Facebook, I think it was last night or early this morning, was uh Lone Gunslinger Productions. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they have a casting call up, and I know it's probably not gonna do me any good. I follow their page. And they have mm-hmm. a casting call up for a new movie that they're they're looking to shoot. And I yeah. sent them a private message and I said, hey, any chance you're looking for a stills photographer? <laughs> but they, well, they um, probably won't get back to me. 
Oh, well, that's hilarious. I just, um, I auditioned for that film uh, yesterday. Oh, wow. Um, and so I, if I hear back, um, which hopefully I would for some reason, the link that I gave them uh, didn't end up working. Um, so they had, um, Bo had gotten back to me and, you know, said, hey, could you send it via a different link? And so I... I should see if, you know, if Bo is looking for somebody to do stills. I don't think that he would mind, to be honest. Yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, I would love a chance to do it. I'm not looking to be a famous celebrity. I want to be the guy that's on set or on location that just shoots the stills that they use for marketing and stuff like that. That's what yeah. I, would, I would love to do. You know, I've been yeah, doing, that, doing that photography be cool. for 30 years, and it's one genre of photography I've always wanted to try. And it's so hard to get into. Um, I know in order to get into doing it with, you know, the big studios like Warner Brothers and Sony and yeah. Paramount, you've got to be a member of SAG, uh, the Screen mm -hmm. Actors Guild. you got to be union. And the dues for that is like five thousand dollars a year. Um, yeah. And if you want and if you want to do videography on set, it's like ten thousand dollars a year to join SAG. It's crazy how expensive yeah, I, it is. But I, I know some of those people also get paid stupid money to be on set and shoot the marketing, you know, stills and stuff like that. But I'd just, uh -huh. I'd be perfectly happy getting paid a few bucks to do stills on an independent film or something like that would, I would be thrilled. Yeah, that would be cool. And, and, and yeah, the way to, to start doing it is just to start doing it. I mean, uh, so when I was filming the new frontier, uh, we were up, kind of close to where Dave was at at the time. And I went over on my like day and a half off and Dave and I shot for a little bit and I said, well, you can come out to set and we can, you know, shoot out there. And I had already cleared this with Travis and, and Travis wanted to meet Dave anyways. And so we came out there and uh, Dave was like, if you want to, I can do like some behind the scenes or whatever. Cause we just had people taking, you know, pictures behind the scenes with their cell phones and, and that kind of stuff so that we could have all that BTS. And so Dave did it and he had some amazing, like behind the scenes stuff that he was doing. He was so helpful and whatnot. And it's just, you know, going out there and doing it. So, uh, you know, Travis was touched by him wanting to just, you know, lend a hand and that kind of thing. He put a, a special thank you uh, in the credits of the new frontier. And so when it premiered and Dave was sitting there in the audience uh, with it, cause I invited him out. He's like, Oh my gosh, my name was under the credits for like special thanks for, you know, photography for this or whatever. And, it, and he was super thrilled about it. And so it's just, yeah, going out and just saying, Hey, I'd be happy to just lend a hand. And, you know, sometimes you just have to go out there and do it not expecting anything. Dave didn't get paid. No one, you know, got paid anything. And so we were just there to make the film. And, you know, it's just one of those little extra things. And he'd never gone out and done that before. So it was, it was a fun new experience for him, you know, to put his photography skills to work. So, I mean, that's, I think that you would be awesome to do that. I think that people would be lucky to have you on their independent films in order to shoot them. Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. I can't believe Dave got to do that. I'm going to have to give him heck. <laughs> you should, yeah. I'm like, darn it, you got ahead of me on the stills photography. Ellie beat me to the Aurora Borealis photography. What gives? 
<laughs> well, well, Dave did know the lead actress in the movie, so you know that made uh, it a little easier yeah. <laughs> for him yeah. for me to just say, "Hey, come with me. You're going to do this." <laughs> yeah, really. That that's absolutely fantastic that you were able to do that for Dave. Dave is such a cool guy, um, and I think I told you I actually have a huge project I'm working on right now, and I I can't give out specifics on the show. You did tell me because I'm under an NDA. Um, mm-hmm. But the first I did a shoot for this big international brand. It's it's a big international studio to be honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, they approached me out of the blue back in September uh, by email, and I thought at first it was a joke. You know, I thought it was somebody mm-hmm. just you know trying to run some sort of internet scam on me or something. Oh gosh! Um, but I researched the domain the domain name that the emails were coming from and found out they were totally legit. And I had a Zoom call with them in September, and they told me what, you know, the project was and what they needed me for and the location. And I'm like, well, this actually works out great because the location you need me to do shooting for is only like 35 minutes from my house. So that that works out great. Um, So I went through all the red tape and all the paperwork to get on with this uh, this studio as what they call a vendor, basically. Uh Um, so I did that shoot in early October and it took forever. I shot over 20,000 photographs. Um, Yeah. Over the course of like three days and it took forever to upload them all because I put them all in one single zip file and we live kind of out in the boonies here in North Carolina. So the only internet we can get right now that's worth a darn is AT&T cellular hotspots. And I have two of those on my, I have a grandfathered unlimited plan so I can actually Use nice. like I can use like a terabyte of bandwidth, and AT and T doesn't cry about it. <laughs> um, You're lucky. But I definitely, um, I should have split the zip file up because it was like 52 or 53 gigs, and it took like nope. a day and a half to upload. <laughs> Gosh. But and I, you know, and I was biting my nails because I'd never done this type of photography before. And they emailed me back and they're like, your photos are absolutely fantastic. It's exactly what we needed. And we would have wanted if we had sent, been able to send our own team over from the UK, but we can't because of COVID restrictions. And uh-huh. so I was so happy that they, that they were, that they were uh, thrilled with my work and that I got them exactly what they needed. And awesome. then they started emailing me again and they're like, um, how would you feel about going to six other locations in the United States and doing the same thing for us? And I was like, holy cow. Awesome. <laughs> I was like, this is so, and they explained it to me. They're like, you already know from your experience, it's a lot of red tape and a lot of paperwork to bring somebody new on. And yeah. it's going to screw with our deadlines if we have to do that. So uh, being your already a registered vendor with our studio, we would prefer if you're able to, to have you shoot all the rest of the United States content that we need. That's amazing. Yeah. So 2022 is going to get a little bit busy for me because I'm going to have to go to six other states to shoot for this project. That's so cool. I'm so proud of you. That's so neat. Yep. And the one cool thing I thought was cool is they told me that the the finished product, I will be in the credits. Um, and since I am doing all of the U.S. content, I will be the only United States credit oh, in the credits. Awesome. <laughs> It'll be oh, just me cool. and nobody else. Honey, very cool. 
Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, but it's grueling work. It's it, trust me, it's not an easy job. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm I don't even doubt it. Believe me, after what I've been through lately, I fully understand. <laughs> I can imagine because when I was watching the first episode last night, I said, I'll bet you a hundred dollars Ellie went through a similar experience as I did shooting for that big studio back in October because oh my god, I enjoyed the work, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But I clocked like 80 miles walking that week. Yeah. Yeah. And 20,530 20, photographs that I took as part of that project. And, I, you know, I'm not a spring chicken. I just turned, I just turned 51 a week ago today. And I've been through car accidents, major yeah. industrial accidents. So I've got, <laughs> I've got a bad back. I've got a bad right arm. I've got a shot left knee. But I refuse to be one of those people on disability. And I'm not putting those people down. It's just my mentality and my, my work ethic. When, when I got in the bad car accident in 2015 and my doctor said, you know what? You really need to go on disability. I was like, you know what? You need to kiss my ass and fix me <laughs> again because disability ain't happening. I got to work. Good job. Good and, for you. <laughs> and I've, I've had doctors and I've had pharmacists ask me when I go to get my medications, especially... I've had a few pharmacists just look at me and they're like, how do you function on all the pain meds that you're on? Because most people oh. would be a vegetable in a coma somewhere drooling oh. over themselves all day. And I'm like, I don't know. I just take my meds and do what I got to do. Nice. Nice. You know, you're, you're an exception to the rule. Yeah. I mean, it's just the way I was raised and yeah. you know, I don't understand, you know, each younger generations, it's, it's just so sad. They're freaking lazy. Yeah, they all they want to do is sit home and play Xbox or PlayStation, and they want somebody yep. to pay them to do it. Yep. And it's like, that's not the way the world works. It's not the way no. I raised my kids, and it wasn't the way I was raised, you know? You get, <laughs> if you want to get the most out of life, you got to put in the work. Exactly. And, and you have been absolutely doing that. I mean, you've been killing yourself with so many projects and Thank so you. many things, and I was so disappointed to find out that your employer didn't want to give you the time off and you ended up having to leave that job um, because I want, you know, I want the best for you. You and I have gotten to be really good friends over the last couple of years, especially, mm -hmm. you know, with you being on the show and stuff. Mm -hmm. And just for my listeners, I tell her all the time, you know, I try to limit my texting of her and stuff because I'm like, I know you're busy and I don't want to be a pest. Uh, sometimes it's just fun. But it doesn't stop it from texting. Just so you all know. <laughs> but, um, but I do like the fact that as friends, you and I can have that intimate connection here and there. Because you said, I remember, I don't remember the exact wording, but I know you sent me a text out of the blue uh, while you were over there in Greenland. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, you asked me some personal stuff, you know, mm -hmm. no, nothing that I want my listeners to read anything into because Ellie and I aren't having an affair or anything. No, no, like no, that. no. Uh, but she asked me for a personal favor and I said, absolutely, I'd be more than happy to do that for you. Yeah. Um, and I did in all earnesty do that for you. And thank you. It's because I consider you, even though we've never met in real life, I consider you a real friend. Oh yeah, definitely. It's well, you don't have to like meet somebody like, you know, face to face in person. We've had so many talks and conversations and stuff like that. And, you know, we can be, you know, funny as friends are, and you, we have inside jokes and all kinds of stuff just from our interactions. And so, yeah, you, you feel those connections with people that you feel that you can trust and that kind of thing. And so that's what this has become, which has been awesome. And so, you know, I love to be able to fool around with my friends and poke fun, but yeah, I, you know, 
asking things of them and, and, you know, in small ways where they can help out has been amazing. And, and I really appreciate that, Liam. Yeah, absolutely. And I still hope, you know, one of these days we'll get a chance to do a shoot together. Um, and as, I, as I've told you before, I'm not the kind that can do the fine art nudes. So we'll have to do a theme shoot. Um, you don't have to be. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm thinking I would like to shoot you either in your Lara Croft ensemble. Yeah, I was my wife and I were really big into the Tomb Raider video games when we were younger. We used to play oh, them together, same. and we loved the films. And mm -hmm. and and she loved the work that you did before. She saw some of your photos from where you did that kind of shoot before, and she absolutely loved yeah. them. Um, so awesome. I was thinking either Lara Croft or possibly Wonder Woman. Oh, that would be fun. I could totally be down to do Wonder Woman too because yeah, we can do both. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't remember what your height is, but I think you're tall enough to do it. Um, yeah, and you definitely I'm got the look. You're in, you're in good sh physical shape, so you definitely yes. got the physique for it. Um, <laughs> the only drawback is we'd have to put you in a wig because your hair's not black. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's, it's definitely wig, long yeah. enough. It's just not black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we'd have to. You and I would have to work together to come up with the costume because I doubt you have that costume readily available. Although I could be wrong, since your costume wardrobe is a semi truck. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it's a whole friggin' trailer. No, I have Laura Croft. I have both like the original Tomb Raider with the teal and the brown shorts and whatnot. But then I have the all black one. But I do not have Wonder Woman. But that would be easy to create because I do that on the side anyways. I'm actually secretly, well, I guess not so secretly, working on making myself my own personal pair of steampunk wings, which when Dave hears this, he's going to go, what? Oh, yeah, Dave's <laughs> going to be going crazy when he hears this. <laughs> So, but no, I, I love making costumes and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I get a big, huge kick out of it, especially when, you know, you get a photographer and they're going to take some amazing picture. And it's going to look like, yes, you know, I'm this warrior or superhero or, you know, action figure or video game or cartoon, any and all of the above for cosplay. I just absolutely love it. Yeah, that would be a blast. I would want you to do the traditional Lara Croft from the old video games, the teal and the yeah. tan shorts with the double, mm -hmm. double 50 caliber pistols. That would be awesome. And the, That's right. and the ponytail. Yep, yep. That would be so cool. The other one I thought about was possibly, um, and I don't know if you're familiar with the character or not, Ian Flux. It, oh, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, that was an animated series. It was like an adult cartoon that used to run on MTV, and then later Sharice Theron uh, did an Ian Flux movie that was absolutely yeah. fabulous. I loved that film. Yeah. And I think you would look awesome in the Ian Flux uh the black the ensemble one. that she wore yeah. in there, like her stealth outfit. Mm -hmm. You would be awesome in that. That would be Thank a fantastic Thank you. That would be show. really cool. <laughs> yeah. That would be cool for us to get a chance to do those someday. Someday. <laughs> someday. Someday. We'll eventually do it. <laughs> yeah, we live on opposite ends of the country, so it's not Yes, we easy. do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of hard to do a photo shoot through Zoom. <laughs> yeah, let's not even try. That would be a disaster. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ellie, uh, do you have any other projects you want to talk about as we wrap up or, uh, or do you want to move on to promoting all of your social media and we'll wrap up the episode? It's totally up to you, girl. Yeah, I, I don't have any more current projects. I mean, I'm always doing freelance modeling and that kind of stuff, but no, I'm, I mean, I, I'm at any time on any one of my 12 social medias. <laughs> so I'm always busy there. Uh, but yeah, no, people, um, can find me both like my acting stuff and modeling stuff at Ellie Ringo. 
And, you know, I have all manner of, you know, Facebook page, Instagram, and Twitter for that. And then I have all of my rock stuff, which also includes like the frozen gold and um, anything I'm doing on TikTok and YouTube is Ellie Knows Rocks. And I, you know, I'm very active on all platforms. And then I just recently started a Patreon for Ellie Knows Rocks and, you know, different behind the scenes things that I do, including different, you know, BTS of Greenland and whatnot. So I think people so far are getting a kick out of that and just little, little things that have happened and, you know, a lot of fun. And I took tons of videos while I was there and pictures. And, and the only place that people will see some of that stuff is going to be on my Patreon. And I'm going to try to keep that as private as possible to make it special for the people that are on it. Oh, that's totally cool. And I highly encourage my listeners to support Ellie on all her social media accounts and platforms. Trust me, you're not going to be disappointed. She does some great videos on the Ellie Knows Rocks YouTube channel. I haven't checked out her TikTok yet. That's my bad. Uh, But I love your YouTube channel. That's awesome. I totally love it on the YouTube. I'm almost at 330,000 followers on TikTok. Wow. Um, Holy cow. And then I just yesterday breached the 3,000 mark on my um, Ellie Knows Rocks YouTube channel, which I'm super proud of. So it's, you know, just milestones every time you hit one of those little marks. And I'm hoping they keep going up, and I'm hoping that the Frozen Gold, you know, reality TV show helps boost all of my numbers for following because, you know, I just, I'm, I'm passionate about what I do. And I think that people get a kick out of that. Absolutely. Yeah. You and I have been playing, kind of playing cat and mouse unintentionally on YouTube because um, <laughs> yeah. we go back and forth as far as who has more subscribers, me or you. Cause my, my <laughs> you know, my channel's not massive either, um, <laughs> but I love what I do, you know, in my videos and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I've been getting more comments and more, uh, viewer interactions lately, which is awesome. That's fantastic. But I know now that you're doing frozen gold, you're going to leave me in the dust. <laughs> you'll, you'll probably be at like 10 million subs by next year. Oh my gosh. That would be amazing. I would love it. If one of them would just go like super viral and like, you know, dominate. But, oh yeah. You know, I have my own little grandiose thoughts. Yep. So if you, I mean, good God, if you have that many subs, you're going to be raking in money from YouTube. Like crazy. Let's hope so. Well, I know um, there's uh, the Marcus, I think his name is Marcus Lee Brown. He's a young man that does um, cell phone and tech videos on his YouTube mm-hmm. channel. And his just, uh, he, had, he had a channel that was really good, but it was growing slowly. And I don't know what the catalyst was, but all of a sudden his channel just took off and went viral and he shot up to like 8 million subs. Uh, same with Peter McKinnon in Canada. He's only been doing YouTube for like three years, but the guy is ridiculously talented, self-taught cinematographer. So all his oh, YouTube wow. videos are like Hollywood studio quality. Oh, and that's amazing. He went from nothing to like 10 million subs in three years. And these guys are raking in like four and five million dollars a year off YouTube. Wow. Yeah. I would love to be doing that. <laughs> I know it's cra- and the, and the craziest thing is, believe it or not, YouTube takes half the money. So that means, he, he, that means these guys are making upwards of $10 million a year on YouTube. Uh-huh. That's insane. I mean, I, yeah. I, I hope someday I can hit a hundred thousand subs just so I can get, get the little silver Google play plaque to hang on my wall. <laughs> Uh, That's cool. Yeah. That would be totally awesome. But yeah, I have a feeling now that you're on frozen gold, you're going to leave me in the dust. Oh, well, I, you can just be right there with me and we'll do more stuff. And, and I always love, um, 
and and again, not that I'm anything to speak of, but if I can share the love and, you know, promote my friends and help them with whatever they're doing, I absolutely love that because, you know, some of my viewership might, might not be yours, but they might like what you're doing as well. So, you know, people supporting people and friends supporting friends, that's how we grow. And if people don't realize that and they just want to put people down, you can screw those people because they're assholes. Yeah, tell so. me about it. And you saw, man, I was sharing frozen gold like crazy on Facebook and Twitter. You were. And I kept tagging I you guys. It. I kept tagging you in the Weather Channel, too. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> Trying to help out as much as I could. Well, Ellie, it's been absolutely delightful having you on the show again. And the one thing we got to do, and I know your, your schedule's just probably crazy, but my listeners have been begging for you and Dave to be back on together, if possible, yes. before the end of the year. But I know we have the holidays coming up fast, so it might not be possible. I know Dave's been ready, but you, uh -huh. were, you were tied up with this big project and we're over in Greenland, so we couldn't yeah. do it. And the funny, the funny side story to that is uh, Dave kept telling me, because he and I talk, you know, on Instant Messenger. Uh -huh. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, the people aren't tuning into your show for me. They're tuning in for Ellie. And I'm like, Dave, they tune in for Ellie. But I said, dude, when she's done solo appearances, the first 24 hours, she gets like 2,500, 3,000 downloads. <laughs> when you guys were on together the first time, it shot up to almost 6,000. I said, dude, I'm telling you, at least a third of those were because of you. Because oh, you sure. do great fine art photography. And my yeah. listeners went to your website. They saw your mm -hmm. work and they absolutely love you. And then yeah. he and I did an episode, just the two of us, while you were gone. Awesome. And that episode got like 32, 3,300 downloads in the first 24 hours. And I yeah, pinged see? Dave, and I'm like, see, I told you it wasn't just Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Ellie's well, popular, but you two together are really popular. <laughs> well, we should totally, totally do something with Dave and I. And so we... We can totally make that happen, especially now that I'm back. I have a lot more free time, of course, not going to, you know, a nine to five grind. <laughs> oh, that's so. true. I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> I know we talked about it when you guys were on together before that hopefully we were going to try to do a combination video episode for YouTube um, because oh, yeah. the, the big goal was to have Dave and you visually share some of his work and then talk mm -hmm. about the behind the scenes and how you guys pulled it all together and got the shot. Um, yeah and my listeners have been wanting to see that episode <laughs> okay well yeah we should totally plan something like that i'll talk to dave about it when i see him this weekend and see what he says okay awesome i'd appreciate that <laughs> all right well let's go ahead and wrap this one up we're in an hour and 42 almost 42 minutes no big deal because my, fan, <laughs> my fans love it when the interview episodes go long and it's funny Yay. it's funny because when i had skip cohen on he's like yeah we limit ours to like 35 40 minutes because after that Ooh. If we go longer than that, nobody listens. And I'm like, really? I'm like, my hour and a half, two hour episodes just go nuts with the <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. But uh, but like I said, I know this one will be another popular episode. Um, it wasn't totally photography related, but it doesn't matter because you're my friend and you're always welcome on the show to talk about anything you want. Oh, thank you, Liam. Absolutely. All right. Uh, make sure you send me all of your social media links links because i know you have some new ones um yes. i don't think you were doing tiktok before when you were on maybe or maybe you had uh, just started uh -uh. i'm not sure um but definitely send all of those to me um in a in an im or an email or whatever you because i want to make sure i get them all in the show notes 
And of course, awesome. we'll, we'll make sure frozen gold is in there as well, because that's huge. <laughs> um, as well as if you can give them to me, any links to any of your Westerns that have already been released so my listeners can find those as well. Yeah, you bet. All right. Well, thank you again, Ellie. I appreciate your time. Congratulations on the show. I think it's going to be a hit. I, I watched the first episode last night. I recorded it and watched <laughs> it on my lunch hour. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a really good show. Not just because awesome. I know somebody that's on it, but I really love the content. They did, you guys did a great job. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go and uh, we will talk again soon, hopefully. Thanks again for okay. coming on the show. <laughs> talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, my listeners, that is going to wrap up episode 203 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Verbal, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. And I want to thank once again the lovely and talented Ellie Cat for coming on the show. I think it's fabulous that she has this new TV series on the Weather Channel called Frozen Gold. It's on Sundays from 8 to 9 p.m., and I just have a feeling it's going to be really successful, and it's going to really help her career to take off, and I've always told her, anytime you want to come on the show to talk about any of your projects, you are absolutely welcome. I feel the same way she does. I support my friends. Um, when I become friends with somebody, I am a real friend and will do everything I can to support them in any of their hopes, dreams, and goals. All right, I'm going to wrap up this episode, and I will see you all again on Sunday.